Let's pray and we'll jump into Exodus 8. Father, help us to see you. Help us to hear you. Help us to understand. Father, um, there is so much here and I am so inadequate for giving this. And yet it is so phenomenal to me. Father, may my brothers and sisters this night hear what you say, not what I say. To your glory and praise. Amen. If you look at your outline, you'll see that I broke it into... uh, Did I do three? No, two. Confrontation preparation. Okay? The confrontation is amazing because the confrontation, we've already looked at it, it started out with Moses being confronted by God. Okay? That, let's be realistic with it. If you're saved tonight, you've had that confrontation. Somewhere in your life, you and God just, boom. Mano a mano. And he says, I am talking to you. And it was like earth shattering. Moses had a little burning bush. Listen, you're not saved if you ain't had something to the burning bush. Somewhere in your life, God has stepped out of heaven and said, I'm talking to you. Okay? If you haven't had that, then will you talk to me after this is over? Because you've got to have that. There's a time that he just uh, grabs you by your ears. Okay, that's how my grandma, my grandma was only about that tall. And when she wanted to get your attention, she grabbed you by the ears. And you know what? She'd get your attention. Just like that, boy. I'm listening. There's been a time in all of our lives where God has intervened in our lives. It usually, maybe not, but usually it's through a cataclysmic event. Something is just so out of kelter. I can't do anything about it. Boom. There he is. Well, guess what? Moses minding his own business. Life is good. I've got a wife. I got a flock. I got a job. 401k. No worries. I've been doing this for 40 years. Uh, retirement is coming around the corner. Check it out. The bush is burning. He goes over to the bush and God confronts him. Take your sandals off, Moses. You're on holy ground. All right. And then he gave all the excuses. <laughs> I don't want to do that. What was happening is God says, I need to reveal myself. I need to show myself. All right. So here's your job, Moses. Go and get my people out of Egypt. And I'm going with you. Well, I can't do that. I know that's why I'm going with you. Okay. So that's what he does. So now we're looking at it. He finds his brother, Aaron. And he says, Aaron, you're not going to believe this, but this is what we're into. And we're going to take Israel out of Egypt. And, you know, I'm sure Aaron's, oh, yeah, sure. Sounds great to me. All right. They went in to the palace of Pharaoh. Please understand, this would have been the second or third Pharaoh after Moses fled. fled. They would have known of Moses. They'd known of the children of Israel. They go in there and um, he says, uh, our God told me to tell you, let the people go. Of course, Pharaoh says, no, I ain't going to do it. He threw his stick down and turned into a snake. And his magician says, what's well, our, our sticks can do that too. And they threw their sticks down and they turned into snakes. And Moses' stick ate their snakes. And then he picked it up again. All right. Now, people ask me about that. What do you think that was? Well, I think it was a stick and they threw it down. It turned into a snake. It slithered up through there. And the magicians threw theirs down and they turned into snakes. And it slithered up there. And Moses' snake ate their snakes. Well, what do you think it was? I think it was a stick that they threw it down and it turned into a snake. And then, well, but do you, no, that's what I think it was. 
I don't think this was sort of, well, you think this is like Star Wars? No, they didn't have uh, special effects. All right, they didn't. All right, so, but what it was, was now God had turned and there was a confrontation coming to whom? Pharaoh. God was going to confront Pharaoh. Now, you've got to understand the Egyptians at the time frame were an amazing power. was an amazing power. They were the quote-unquote superpower of the day. <clears throat> you've got to understand that. They had a great war machine. They had all the technology. They had buildings. They had this great huge mass of slaves that they could turn out stuff. And they influenced literally the, what is called the Fertile Crescent, which is the Mediterranean uh, on the south, uh, on the east, and on the north side. Everybody dealt, dealt with Egypt. Egypt was a world power. But now you have God confronting a world power, confronting Pharaoh. That's what you have, right? And we saw how it started. And he says, I'll bring a plague on you. And he told Moses, I want you to go down to the river. I want you to go to tell Pharaoh, this is what I'm going to do. Okay. And what did he do? He turned all the water to blood. All right. Now everybody said, well, it had a red color. Well, the text says it was turned to blood. Wasn't a red color. Well, but I, we, it was just like these rains and the Nile and the freshwater. That's, okay, but what do you do with a pot of water that was sitting in your house and it turned to blood? I didn't work. Oh, well, I, I don't know. Because I hear all the excuses. Well, it wasn't really blood. It was a reddish color. Well, the text says it was blood and it was ruder than that. You had buckets of water in your house. Guess what happened to it? It turned to blood. You had buckets that you kept for like doing the dishes in. That water turned to blood. You had the other buckets that you would drink out of in the house. Those turned to blood. But what happened was he had some, they call them magicians. And they came in and they could find fresh water. How did they find fresh water? They would take a shovel and dig a hole. And they were near the Nile. And they'd dig down and they'd find clear water. Okay, and so Pharaoh said, no big deal. We'll just change it. Okay, so basically what you have is Pharaoh and his wise men and magicians are in the process of confronting God. Okay, now let's watch what happened. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile, after Yahweh struck the Nile. Seven days have gone by. All right, so now you have basically a cleansing of the rivers. Okay, the Nile flows all the time. It doesn't just stop. It flows all the time. So you have this blood has moved out. People have dug their little wells. They've gotten water and they're thinking, ah, this ain't so big a deal. All right. You know what? It reminds me of a superpower that was attacked, blindsided. Okay. 3,000 people were killed in one attack. It wasn't a high tech attack. It wasn't like someone unleashed a nuclear arsenal or anything like that. It was very uh, unsophisticated, if you really think about it. And actually had the potential to do a little more damage than what it did. And the first response that came out of the superpower is, Oh my gosh, what has God done? Okay? And a week later, the statement was this. Give me a target. 
All I need is a target. And I can fix this. Don't you find that fascinating? There was a brief moment that we said, Hey, Lord, what are you telling us? Listen, if all of your water turned to blood and you live in the desert, hey, what are you telling us? Oh, but you can go dig over here and get fresh water. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. I dig water. Seven days later, look what happens. Remember now, the first plague, God says, go tell Pharaoh this is what's happening. Look what happens. Then Yahweh says to Moses, go to Pharaoh's plague number two. He says, go give Pharaoh a warning. The second plague, probably in the palace. He does it again in chapter nine, verse 10. He does it or, in chapter nine, verse one and chapter 10, verse one. All right. So Yahweh says to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says Yahweh, let my people go that they may serve me. Now hear, hear what is being said here. He's not saying let them go for three days and worship. He's saying let my people go that they may serve me. See Moses kind of came in and said why don't you let us go for three days. And Moses' idea was you give me a three day head start you can't catch me. Okay that's the implications. Here's what happens. But if you refuse to let them go. Behold, I will, and it uses the word smite. The literal Hebrew word is to plague. Okay? I will plague your territory with what? Frogs. Interesting concept. Frogs. Uh, You ever thought about that? Frogs? Why not tadpoles? I don't know. What about chickens? Why frogs? Well, I did a little research on that. And you know what? The Egyptians favored frogs. Did you know that? A lot of their jewelry were amulets of a frog. They wouldn't sell well today, would they? Um, To the Egyptians, frogs were considered sacred. And here's why. The valley of the Nile would flood every spring, okay? And then it would recede and you would know it was receding because you would hear the frogs. And as it started receding back, then all the good fertile land would be ready to start planting. And you knew it was time to get close to start planting when you started hearing the frogs. They had a God, happy, H-A-P-I, happy, happy, happy to frog God. Okay, and he would have this stuff going down, and they considered this good stuff. And they had a goddess, Hick. Hick. Okay? Uh, Hick was the wife of Kun. Kun um, was the god of resurrection and fertility. And Hick's symbol was what? Frog. We're always used to the dog, you see. Have you remember? You guys all seen the mummy, all right? And he had the little dog gods and all this. I have a story to tell you about that, visiting that when I was at Universal Studios. Scared the poo out of me one day. The dog statues moved. Anyway, it was one of these fun house type things. And I had my whole family in front of me and they were all being scared. And I was 
macho. And we were at the end of it, and you had this big room, right? And, and everybody, and you had to exit doors. So they opened the door and started to go out, and I was just hanging around being cool. And they had these two big statues of the dogs, and they moved. <laughs> and when they moved, I left. <laughs> the dogs are moving. I'm out of here. All right, so much for being macho. Anyway, by the way, you, it was against Egyptian law to intentionally kill a frog. Okay? You couldn't do it. Why? Because they were considered sacred. Look at verse 3. The Nile will swarm with frogs, and they will come up, and they will go into your house, and into your bedroom, and on your bed, and into your houses, and your servants, and on your people, and into your ovens, and into your kneeling bowls. And so the frogs will come upon you, and your people, and all of the servants. Basically, God is confronting the Egyptians at their God happy. Okay? He was the spirit of the Nile. Kur was the guardian of the Nile. And God is confronting them through Pharaoh. Look at verse 13 really quick, okay? Verse 13. And Yahweh did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses. You know what that means? The frogs were everywhere. Okay? Now, that... All I could think of, the only word I could think of was this would be discomforting. Okay. I remember one time, I I don't know, I grew up back east um, and we used to go frog gigging. I don't know if you know what frog gigging is, but you had a little thing look like a pitchfork, uh, smaller. uh, The four prongs were usually about like this. And and you would go out at night and you would wade in water about uh, waist deep with a flashlight and you could see the frogs by their eyes. They would uh, uh, give off a white shine and you shine it on them and they would stay in focus with that beam and then you just stick this pitchfork in them and you'd throw them in there and you'd have frog legs. And that's basically what you were doing. Uh, and I remember going one time to um, uh, frog gigging with my uncle and my dad and some of the other yahoos that are my relatives. And we got four, you know, anybody know what a gunny sack is? Four gunny sacks full of bullfrogs. Okay? And I'm talking about frogs, when you held them by the nose and pulled them by the legs, they were this long. Okay? And so we took them to the house and we were going to clean them so we'd have the little legs and we'd freeze the legs and have frog legs. Uh, and um, <laughs> it's a long story. But anyway, our house, we had two stories, and we decided we'd put them in the bathtub upstairs, and then as we got them down, we'd, we'd bring them down, and, and we'd just do these frogs. Well, you know what was weird about it? They wouldn't stay in the tub. Um, and uh, <laughs> what was really weird about it is my aunt and my mom come home, and my aunt decided she was going to go to the bathroom. My mom went downstairs, and my aunt went upstairs, and she opened the bathroom. <laughs> it was full of... These frogs with three holes in them. Um, and uh, need I say more? Uh, but they were all over the place. It was a mess. And um, I think about that when I think about this. Because that was three gunny sacks full of frogs. I mean, that's a lot of frogs. Don't let me... But this was worse. <laughs> this is way worse than that. And it is God messing with the God of the Egyptians, 
the magicians of the Egyptians and the leader of the Egyptians. Here's what he says. And they will swarm. And so the frogs will come into you and your people and your servants. And Yahweh said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand and your staff over the river, over the streams and over the pools and make the frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. He's told Pharaoh this is going to happen. He stretches them out and the frogs came up and they covered the land of Egypt. Okay, when I read that, people say, well, what does that mean? It covered the land of Egypt. What does that mean? There were more frogs than you ever dreamed of everywhere. Okay? Look what happens in verse 7. Now, this is fascinating to me. Some people overlook this. Verse 7 and 8 kind of amazed me. The magicians did the same thing with their secret arts. We've looked at this last week, and they, they have this ability to counterfeit things. All right, They did the same with their secret arts, and what did they do? They made more frogs. They didn't make it better. They made it worse. Why? They have no ability to overpower God's power, but they can counterfeit God's power. They can't stop God's power. So all they can do is make more frogs. Look, verse 8. Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron says, Entreat Yahweh to remove the frogs from me and my people. Why? Because these idiots that I got working for me are just making more frogs. And remember, frogs are sacred. Frogs, you can't kill them. It ain't like, well, dude, we are living on frog legs now. You can't do it. Make him remove. Make your God. Make Yahweh remove these frogs. And what does he say? I will let the people go that they may what? Sacrifice to Yahweh. Remember now that he's going back to what Moses said the first time. Second plague. Second plague. First one was what? Blood. That's tough living in the desert and there's no fresh water. Okay? Seven days went by with that one. Now he's got frogs. Verse 9. Moses says to Pharaoh, The honor is yours to tell me. When shall I entreat to you? and your servants, and your people, that the frogs be destroyed from you, and your houses, that they may be left only in the Nile. Okay? All right, you want this done. When do you want it done? Then he said, this would be he here in verse 10 is Pharaoh. Tomorrow. So he said... May it be according to your word. Okay. Now, listen, he's calling Pharaoh out. You've confronted my God. My God has confronted you. You said, okay, I'm going to let the people go. Get rid of the frogs. All right. Tomorrow. I shall entreat you and your servants and your people and the frogs be destroyed from you and your houses and they be left only in the Nile. Then he said, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So he said, who's he? Pharaoh. So he said, may it be according to your word, Moses, as you say, Moses, that you may know that there is no one like who? Like God, Yahweh. He's acknowledging him. He said, hey, yeah, who? Gee, many crickets. I ain't never seen this many frogs ever. And my silly magicians, every time they do something, I just get more frogs. 
Look what happened in verse 11. The frogs will depart from you and your houses and your servants and your people, and they will be only left in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, probably the palace, and Moses cried to the Yahweh concerning the frogs, in which he, Yahweh, had inflicted upon Pharaoh, and Yahweh did according to the words of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses and the courts and the field, and they were piled up in heaps, heaps, and land was... Foul. There's an understatement in the Bible, huh? But when Pharaoh... Now watch what happens in verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw there was relief, he hardened his heart. He did not listen to them as Yahweh had said. See, Yahweh had already told him he ain't going to listen. He already told him. He told Moses that before he even left Sinai. He ain't going to listen to you. But I still want you to go. Okay? So you have Pharaoh's people who are basically copycatting God. Okay? They don't have the power to overcome God. And God is confronting the nation. He is confronting their wise men. He's confronting their magicians. And he's saying, okay, come on. And in verse 8, you see him using Yahweh's name. And he wants relief. How many people do you see doing this on a daily basis? They get into some kind of a plague, some kind of smitten in life, and what do they call on? God help me. God help me. Please, this is awful. My family is ruined. My job is ruined. My life is ruined. Help me. Help me. Help me. Oh, it's okay now. I can handle it. Thanks. Same thing, people. It is the same thing. Same thing. Verse 15. Pharaoh's stubborn. What's the difference between you and I today? What's the difference? You know what? This church was packed the Sunday after 9 11. It's absolutely packed. And everybody came in expecting me to say something. I was teaching 1 Corinthians. Guess what I taught? 1 Corinthians. What are you teaching first Corinthians? What they got to do with 9-11? Nothing. 9-11 has got nothing to do with the glory of God. So there, next question. I don't want to talk about this. Why? You ain't figured it out? Why'd God let this happen? Why'd you tell God to leave you alone? You don't want him in your school. You don't want him praying for your Senate. You don't want him praying in the White House. Hey! Wait till the frogs show up. Then we call on him. Yeah, and you'll call him by name. You'll call him by name. It's Jehovah. It's Yahweh. And then you'll fix it. And you'll stiffen your neck. Verse 16. Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff. Strike the dust of the earth and it'll become gnats. And I'll delineate that here in a minute. And throughout all of the land of Egypt... And so they did so. Okay, now here's what happens here. Verse 16, guess what? There's no warning. He doesn't go to Pharaoh and say, you lied to me. There ain't no warning here. You see this with the third plague. You see this with the sixth plague. And you see this with the ninth plague. No warning. God just does it. There's threefold here. 
In the beginning, he had gone to the river or he'd gone to the palace and he had spoken to Pharaoh and said, here's what's coming. Here's what God has said. There's no warning on this. Now, and we looked at this a little bit last week, but I wanted to look at this. And they did so. Aaron stretched it out and Aaron stretched out his hand and his staff and he struck the dust of the earth and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats through all the land of Egypt. Okay. Interesting thought. Okay, here's, um, all right, some of your translations will say lice. Okay, you can't see lice, all right? You know that they're there, but you can't see them. These are visible, and these would have been a, a pain. You know what's really funny about it? I did a little research on this. <clears throat> the priest, the magicians of Pharaoh, were meticulous in their washings. Stay clean. They had no body hair. Okay, none. Because there was a potential of lice and gnats and stuff like that. So they would have no body hair, and that was part of being cleansed. Any time that they would have bugs on them, it was a, uh, 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 any kind of insect was a point of defilement for the priest. Now, the priests are the ones who are doing the magic tricks. Okay? And I find it fascinating that now you've got gnats everywhere and so the priests are what they can't help why they're just trying to keep themselves clean all right but look what happens verse 18 the magicians these are the priests these are the wise men they tried in their secret arts to bring forth gnats but they could not And so the gnats were on man and beast. They couldn't do anything with this. They had no ability to create. They had no ability to deal with this power. And the magician said to Pharaoh, what? The finger of Jehovah. This is the finger of Jehovah. This is a fascinating statement. Okay? Um, I'm going to let you look up your, do it yourself. The gospel, or not the gospel, the book of Job. That's not gospel. That's, Job's not a good book. <laughs> That's not good news. The book of Job, chapter 1. Uh, we all remember that one? That's, that's what you call a bad day. Okay? Uh, Satan goes up and God says, what about my servant Job? And I hope he never says that about me. But anyway, um, all right? But he says, you put a hedge of protection around Job. Okay? But if you remove the hedge of protection, and whose hand is against Job? I'll let you read it. Okay? I'll tell you this. It ain't a finger. It ain't a finger. Luke chapter 11, verse 20. Jesus casting out demons says, If I cast out demons by the finger of God... Not by the hand, by the finger of God. I cast out demons by the finger of God. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Okay? Read Job 1. Job had a bad day. He lost all of his children. Lost all of his livestock. All of his servants. He lost everything he had. And whose hand was against Job? Satan's? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. All right, here's what he says. The magician says, you know what? 
That's the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He did not listen to them as Yahweh had said. Now remember, he hasn't gotten a warning. He just said, hey, here it comes. And the magicians went out. They tried to counteract it and they couldn't do anything. All right. Now Yahweh, verse 20. Now Yahweh says to Moses, rise early in the morning, present yourself to Pharaoh. Get up and go tell Pharaoh. Now Pharaoh ain't having any fun. Okay. I mean, he is not having any fun at all. He's got gnats everywhere. Okay. And what people say, what? it doesn't matter what they are. If you've ever been in a bunch of gnats, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a ball game in the New York Yankees against Cleveland Indians. And it was hilarious. I seen pictures of the pitcher up there and had these bugs all over his head and they don't bite, but they just ain't no fun to hang out with. They're just everywhere. And, and anyway, it's, it's funny. All right. Verse 20, rise early in the morning, go tell Pharaoh. I don't want to go see Pharaoh. Why? Pharaoh ain't having no fun. All right. He comes down to the well. He's going down there to get a ceremonial cleansing. <laughs> Say to him, thus says Yahweh, let the people go that they may serve me. Just go down and tell them again. For if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of insects. And it literally in the translation is swarms of dog flies. Okay. Dog flies. Dog flies. Well, you know, it's different than a cat fly. It's a dog fly. Okay. Actually, they're blood-sucking insects. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to cat and dog flies. Okay. But that's what they did. They, they would bite and sting you and they make blood. And he says, I will send swarms of insects upon you and on your service and on your people and in your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be so full of swarms of insects... And also the ground on which they dwell. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen. You know where Goshen is, right? Just outside of Poughkeepsie. No. <laughs> it is the fertile ground, the shepherding ground that was occupied by the Israelites. So everywhere in Egypt, except where the Jews were, are going to have these dog flies, these blood-sucking insects. <clears throat> in the land of Goshen, where my people are living, so that no swarms of insects will be there, in order that you may know that I am Yahweh, and I am in the midst of the land. You know what he just said? My power is bigger than your power. You lied to me. Never again. Okay? Now, it's funny because they had a yatach. What? Are you attached? And he was the God over insects. And so now Yahweh is attacking their God over insects. And he said, guess what? The God of your insects can't touch my people. And so basically I read this. If you read verse 24, and then Yahweh did so. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Yahweh did so. And there came a great swarms of insects into the houses of Pharaoh and the houses of his servants, and then the land was laid waste because of the swarms of insects and all the land of Egypt. Okay, basically what you have is the Egyptian insect god has gone out of control. He's gone goofy. And he just won't mess with no Jews. This is a sign. This is my people, he said. You see it in this sign. You see it in the fifth and the seventh plague. These are my people. God's personal power over his people. Period. 
I like verse 25. <laughs> Pharaoh called for Moses. <laughs> you know, dude, we got blood-sucking insects everywhere. Help. Okay? Go sacrifice to your God within the land. What did he just say? Remember when Moses says, three days to sacrifice, right? So he says, go sacrifice, don't live the boundaries of my country. But Moses said, it is not right to do so. For we shall sacrifice to Yahweh our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We go worship our God. Your people are going to be mad, especially if we do it on your country, especially after kind of the time frame you guys have been having. We must go three days journey in the wilderness and sacrifice to Yahweh our God as he commands. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Makes applications for me. I need to stay in control of this. Okay. Now, God's already proved his personal power here. You've got these insects that are everywhere except Goshen. And they are driving people, they call it uncomfortable. Okay, I mean, you just dealt with the frogs and the gnats and the river. And just, gee, you need crickets. Pharaoh says, I want to be in charge. Don't go far. Verse 29, Moses said, Behold, I'm going out from you, and I shall make supplication. You know what that is, right? That'd be a prayer. Supplications to Yahweh, that the swarms of the insects may depart from Pharaoh and his servants and from his people tomorrow. Only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again and not letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplications to Yahweh. And Yahweh did as Moses asked, remove the swarms of insects tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. Not one remained. No worries. Verse 32. Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also. See, Pharaoh still wanted to have control. Go sacrifice. Go worship. Go get, you want a three-day holiday? Go take your three-day holiday. Don't leave my boundaries. Okay? Pharaoh still said, you know what? I just make it happen. Verse 29 is the deception. Uh, it's ma- amazing because in verse 31, it's total divine removal. You know what's amazing about that text? Where are the magicians? Where are they? Why ain't they out swatting bugs? And yet Pharaoh was unmoved. Listen, he was put into a place. What do I mean? Pharaoh was put into a place of humiliation, correct? Would you say that? I mean, let's be realistic. If you're in this country, you're going to blame the government. It's global warming. What'd you do? 
Right? I mean, you got bugs, you got rivers that turn to blood, you got frogs that are going nuts, you got gnats coast to coast and all the rest of it. You're going to be doing the same thing that the Egyptians would be doing is, what in the world are you idiots in Washington doing about this? We did it. We do it on a regular basis. Why does Washington have to give me health care? I don't want them to be my doctor. But when something goes wrong in our life, what do we do? We seek man's answers. Pharaoh is brought to a place of humiliation. You've seen it. We've seen politicians get broken, right? Humiliated. And yet, one of the amazing things that I've seen consistently now lately is this text. They get humiliated. When the humiliation is removed, they become stiff-necked again. It's a fascinating thought, isn't it? Let me ask you a question. How about you? When God says, you know what? You're not in control. I am. And you know what? I know every one of you in this room has experienced that. That something happened and you just sat there and went, it's out of my hands. I can't do anything about it. Lord, whatever you will be. And then God intervenes and you pick up the credit. Because we all do it. Well, I knew that's how it was going to work. Nothing's really changed. God still does what God does, and God does it in a way that when He gets done, who gets credit? He does. Period. And if there's anything that you do that you can take credit for, enjoy it, because God didn't do it. Because everything I see God doing, there's no answer for it except divine intervention. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. Well, you know, we prayed and such and such had a tumor. And we went in and we got a bunch of radiation or chemotherapy and it's all cleared up. And Praise God. God didn't do it. He didn't do it. It isn't that he didn't hear your prayers. It isn't that he didn't give man wisdom. That's not what I'm saying. But when God heals cancer, he just heals cancer. There's no doctor. There's no nurse. He just says, no more cancer. No more cancer. I was talking to a guy the other day. We're having healing in Castle Rock. We're going to have a bunch of guys healing. And God's healing again. I see God doing it. We had over a thousand of them just the other day. I said, really? Cool. And so I asked him a question. I said, were any of them organic? And he said, what? Were any of the healings organic? Organic? I said, yeah. You know, Johnny Erickson Tata? She's paralyzed from the neck down. She scoots in with her chair, jumps up and dances. That's organic. I'm talking no eyes. Eyes. That's organic. I'm not talking my back hurts. 
My back don't hurt no more. Well, Jimmy Crickets, ibuprofen can do that. He said, well, no, we don't have nothing like that. Then it ain't healing. That sounds harsh. I will not allow people to take God who spoke existence into being and trivialize him. I prayed for a car. I have a car. Hallelujah. I don't have to pay for it for five years. God didn't get it. Credit got it. God don't buy on credit. He doesn't. No, no, there's nothing wrong with buying a car. That's not what I'm saying. But God didn't do it. He may give you wisdom and you buy the right car and don't, you know, I think I need that new C6 Corvette. God's not convinced. I'm still talking to him about it. I'm a pastor. I can get into trouble and out of trouble quick with that. 425 horse, six speed. No worries. I think every pastor should have one. What do you think? Okay, the odds of me getting one is going to be divine intervention. <laughs> because he'll have to pay the insurance on it too, and I'm not sure how he's going to do that. You see what I'm trying to get at? This book reveals God. God, he only spoke existence into being. And I like that. I made gnats over the whole nation of Egypt, and they said, it's his finger. You don't want his hand. Read Job 1. You'll see his hand. Okay? See the difference? That's what I want us to see. It ain't us, people. It's what God does. And you know what? He will take you to the place, just as he's doing Pharaoh, he crushes a nation. You know what? Egypt has never been a world power since this happened. Never, ever has Egypt been a world power. Why? Confronted by God. Confronted by God. Every one of you in this room have been or are being confronted by God. I heard the coach of the Colorado Rockies make a statement the other day just made me proud as I could be. He's asking about his team. And there's no superstars on the team. How do they do it? And he said, my dad taught me this a long time ago. There's two kind of people in the world. Those who are humble. Those who are being made humble. Read that right there. you got no choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for my brother Moses. I look forward to the day that I see him and Aaron. Uh, how awesome will that be? Uh, Father, so many that have gone before us. So many have walked before us. So many, Lord, you have used in ways that we can't even comprehend. Father, thank you. Thank you for drawing us here tonight. Thank you for showing us your majesty, your power. And Father, that even through the human agents of Moses and Aaron, um, they understood, they understood that it was you confronting a nation. And you were calling the nation to do something. 
And yet, Father, their leaders stiffen their necks. Father, we who are called by Your name, may we never stiffen our neck. To Your praise and glory. Amen.